0: Welcome to the Eagle Naz Church Podcast. My name is Bree and thanks for joining us. We hope that the next 30 minutes helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus and that you will see how God wants to move in your life. Thanks for listening. If you've been around for the summer, we've been in the Psalms and uh, Pastor Jerry uh, his incredible communicator, and he loves baseball metaphors, and so I was like, "Listen, I gotta give some love to basketball, uh, right? Okay, I gotta give some love to basketball because that was my sport. Um, so I I grew up playing basketball, um, little elementary, middle school, high school, uh, college, and but man, that's I wanted to be like Mike. Seriously, that's not I this brought back so many memories of just Michael. I had, do you remember this poster? Tell me somebody had this poster. Tell me, yes, please. Come on. This was over my red bunk bed, uh, my DJ Tanner full house bunk bed. Uh, and oh, it was beautiful. And I had, I had two more uh, Michael Jordan posters. Uh, I love everything about him. He, uh, the dunks, obviously the dunks, but the lay-ins, the how he could palm the ball and fake people out, and his tongue sticking out when he'd go to the rim. It was so good. Um, I, as I grew, like reality set in, and I and, hey, Trevor, you're not six foot six, and you don't have a forty inch vertical, so you could be like Mike-ish. Um, <laughs> it's not going to work out too well for you, but. Um, it didn't stop me from, I got to go see him live. My dad took me to the kingdom. I grew up in Seattle and it sold out in Key Arena. So we went to the Kingdome and every, every single quarter we would get a little, look, we had the nosebleed seats cause my dad's a pastor. So we, <laughs> we would creep down each quarter and we got by the tunnel. When Michael Jordan was coming out, I put my hand out. He, and I, I could feel the air. <laughs> like, ah, oh, I was so close. I told, I told my dad for a while that he did touch it, and then I had to come clean. I was like, he really didn't, but I felt, I felt it. But- Man, Michael Jordan. Um, I, I, as I got older, I, I kept learning more about him. So, you know, I would love watching him, but then I started watching videos and I wanted to hear interviews about people that played with him or played against him. It's so fun to listen to the guys um, talk about, like, Michael Jordan's He's the best. Who's the best trash talker? Michael Jordan. Then Gary Payton. Good job, Gary. But he was, he was just the best at everything. Um, you know, and I, I'm not going to like argue over who the GOAT is, you know what that stands for, G-O-A-T, the greatest of all time, like as in Michael Jordan was the greatest of all time. <laughs> See what I did there? Uh, but for me, he just, he really was. And so I heard this story as I'm, as I'm learning more about him a few years ago, uh, it's blew my mind. So really quickly. 1989-1990, um, uh, the Bulls kept getting beat by the Detroit Pistons. You got any Pistons fans? Yeah. Um, so, But they were called the bad boys. That's a good, another reason why you don't want to be a Pistons fan. They were called the bad boys. They, they get technical fouls. They trash talk. They push you down. And it got worse with Jordan because Michael Jordan dropped two 50-point games against them in 1989. And they knew Like, all of a sudden, they knew, like, we can't stop this guy, he's that good. So they came up with an idea in in the playoffs. There were four rules, they called them the Jordan rules. The main one that you need to know is, if he came to the lane, we're gonna push you down, and you're gonna end up on the floor, and you're gonna get hurt, basically. Like, that's what they did to Jordan, that was the only way they could beat him. And it worked. They beat him in 89 and in 90. So, this is what I found out, I didn't know about this. 1991, Jordan starts this thing called the Breakfast Club. And every morning at seven o'clock, he invited uh, Scotty Pippen, uh, Ron Harper, and Randy Brown. uh, And they kind of, they collectively kind of filtered in as they were on the team and off the team. But but religiously, Michael Jordan, every morning would wake up at seven o'clock and do an hour's worth of strength conditioning. And his his personal trainer that was with him who had done this before, but he said, I have never seen somebody train like this guy. he he was incredible. And this was on practice days and game days. So he would do that in the morning. Then they would eat breakfast. They had their own personal chef. Uh, They would eat breakfast together. So that's why it was called the breakfast club. Then they would go to practice. And Jordan would get there early and stay late and watch game tape and shoot extra shots. Like, oh man, I wanted to be like Mike, but like not that bad, right? Uh, (laughs) That was another level. And I I realized um, as I was learning that, like I didn't I, I saw Jordan's highlight reel. I didn't really know what it took to be like that. And I think about it like the, like an iceberg, right? So we know that we probably only see eight to 12%. So let's say 10%. We see about 10% of an iceberg visible above the uh, above the water. There is 90%. Like that's, can you imagine? You just see this part of me floating around? Like how would you know that this is under there? Uh, it, it, the iceberg effect. Um, we do this with successful people. And we know this, right? Like anybody that we think about that's, that's successful, that we would deem successful, right? You've got a role model. Maybe it's not Michael Jordan. Maybe it's uh, Alex Morgan. That's some women's soccer. Maybe it's not anyone in the sports arena. Maybe it's uh, Bob Ross, the painter. You want to be a painter? He put a lot of time into that. He makes it look easy. People that are really good at something have spent a lot of time at it. I I really think that. I was thinking about our church even this week. I was thinking, there's some firefighters here. Um, The time that it takes from firefighters to get to the firehouse, to the emergency, wherever they're going, it's so quick. But that didn't just happen, right? There's so much training that goes in. Take like our staff. If you put our staff in a firehouse and ask us to get somewhere, that would be horrible. That would not go well. We would lose stuff. We would forget about it. I'd probably still be in the firehouse freaking out about the bell because, you know, I'm a little jittery. But uh, teachers are going back to school. Um, I've walked by my wife's class, you know, 26 five-year-olds. They're all doing their work quietly at their desks. Somebody raises their hand politely, Jamie's in the back, you know, doing, doing stuff with specials in another room. And then you walk by and you think, I could do that. Does she get summers off too? <laughs> That's so hard. That's called classroom management and teachers work so hard at it. You know, Tim Bunn does this every single week. He makes it look easy and it's, it's pretty easy. It's not, I'm just joking. He's going to watch this. It's not, it's, I'm, I was terrified getting ready to do this. He makes it look so easy, but I just, I really believe people that make things look easy. They, they spend so much time at it. We would call it discipline, right? They're disciplined. They choose to be better at something. So they're disciplined about it. So here's what I love about the Psalms. There's lots of things to love about the Psalms. But uh, so we've been in the summer in the Psalms and, and I, I love um, if you read First and Second Samuel, that is kind of the highlight reel of King David. So we know that the author of most of the Psalms, a lot of the Psalms, like more than half, it's David. And but the cool thing is, so then First and Second Samuel, you get to read about what he, by the time he's like 10 to 15 years old, he's anointed king around that same time, kills a bear and a lion, and like some hunters are like, yeah, whatever, with a sling, do that with a sling, then uh, defeats Goliath with a sling, uh, becomes the general of an army, of the Israelites' army, maybe by the time he's 20, and then he evades Saul because everybody likes David now because he's an amazing general, and then he becomes king by the time he's 30. So, You know, Michael, your six championship rings are good, but you weren't king of a nation by the time you were 30. So now I want to be like David. Um, So, but David, so you see his highlight reel, but then this is so cool. This is what the Psalms do. The Psalms take us past that visible 10% and like into his heart. We get to see his soul. We get to see what makes David so good. Like reading about the breakfast club. I had no idea what it took for Jordan to become Jordan we, I don't think I really understood what it would take to be like David. Because sometimes you just read it in history. Oh, he did these things. He did these things. So I want to go to two places in Psalm. Psalm, Psalm 1, uh, the very first Psalm. I want to just read the first two verses. And then I want to look at uh, Psalm 119. But read this really quickly with me. Psalm, Psalm one. Uh, Verses one and two. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. This is, the, this is the verse that I love. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. And who meditates on his law day and night. This hit me so much. And here's the thing about scripture, it's, um, it's just, it's beautiful. You can dip your toes in and it's, and it's great. It's so deep. You can go as deep as you want. And when you, when you start to go deeper, you get things like this. That word meditate. Um, I, I'll be honest. Whenever I hear meditate, <laughs> automatically my middle fingers touch my thumbs. I don't know why I do that. I think people, I've never really actually done this. So I could be totally wrong. But this is what I think of. And then maybe you hum. Or if I could, I'm the least flexible person. But if I could sit crisscross applesauce, I might do that. But for me, it was like a passive it was very passive. Um, you just kind of sit there, maybe, and if you meditate on His law, maybe, maybe you just kind of hold this, and it just and it just starts sinking in or something. But uh, the word for meditate here is haga, haga. I did this first hour. I did a Brent Deacons. Everybody say haga. Yeah. <sighs> so good. <laughs> that was for you. Haga. It's a fun word to say. This is what it means. Um, to moan, growl, utter, muse, mutter, meditate, devise, plot, speak. There's so much. Um, when I was doing research for this, I heard uh, somebody say, there's a Jewish rabbi that said, um, really Hebrew words are, are like overstuffed suitcases. Like there's so much meaning that wants to get out of these words. And so this is the same word that they would use. Isaiah uses this, and I think it's chapter 34, maybe verse 1. It's, they're talking about a lion, we already talked about the roaring lion. The, the lion, this is the word that they would use after they have, um, they, have devo- they have hunted, and now they're devouring their prey. They would growl, they would moan, or groan, and, it's not, and it's not out of anger. It's literally because they're so satisfied. Isn't that good? that's so much different than just being passive. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna devour this thing and it's gonna satisfy me. So that's, that's what we're talking about. So now when you go to Psalm 119, which is just an amazing Psalm. So it's, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. It is 176 verses, um, so let's stand and read all—no, we're going <laughs> to—I'm just going to reference a little bit of it. But, but please read it. It's beautiful, and, and it's really smart, too. There are 22 stanzas, and each stanza has eight verses, and each stanza follows the Hebrew alphabet, so it's an acrostic, and it's, it's beautiful. It's so smart. Um, but here is, out of 176 of the 174 verses— David references, David references God's word, and he references it in a way that it's like, it's an act, it's an action. So I understand your ways. I I follow your precepts. I I meditate on your word day and night. So it's action oriented. He, it's all about God's word. And he uses different ways, like, you know, God's word, God's ways, God's promise, statutes, principles. But 174 times, And so we know when somebody repeats something, that's really important. This is really, really important for him. And so I want to go to uh, verses 97 through 100. And what this does, David kind of gives you a glimpse into, he doesn't do specifics like, you know, like I I was able to kill a bear. I was able to uh, overthrow the Jebusites in Jerusalem. It's not like that. He gives you kind of these overall, but his success story, right? So read this In, in 97. Oh, how I love your law. He says it again. I meditate on, on it day all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. David doesn't say I'm wiser than my enemies. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I, I said this before, I hope he didn't say that to elders because that's like humility, David, right? So it's fine to say, actually the elders, I wonder if they read this later, like what is it? he thinks he's, no. Uh, but this is, this is David, this is his heart. This, this is past the 10% to, his, to the, the submerged, the stuff that we don't necessarily get to see from everyone. We get to see it from David. Um, and so as I was reading this, what I what I really felt like this was um, in in John in First John and I think it's fourteen. Something beautiful happens, and uh, and John reminds us of something that's really cool. He says uh, after the very first part of it, he says, and, "And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It was with God in the beginning." But then he says, "But the Word became flesh." I think that is amazing. So, so David is studying and meditating on God's ways and God's word. And I think David was becoming Christ-like before Christ even ex- existed, really, technically, in, in earthly form, as Jesus. He was becoming like Jesus without having this human example of Jesus. I just think that's incredible. Um, and then I want to take you to one other place in, in Scripture. I want to go to Matthew 22, verses 35 and, through 40, um, this is something that the word Jesus uh, does for us too. So I was thinking about this and I was like what so meditate on your law like give me something tangible. What's your law? What are your ways? How, if they make me successful tell me. I want to do them, right? Um, so what did David have to meditate on? So he, he had the Torah. He had, that's the first five books of the Old Testament. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And then he probably had Joshua and Judges. So so we could meditate on that uh, day and night or fast forward to when Jesus was living um, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, there's the Essenes and the Zealots too. There's kind of four major religious groups there, but, but they, um, the, the, especially the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're like the keepers of the law that we're talking about, the, the law that David studies. They're the, they're the experts. They know this. So they had, they expanded on, on Moses' law and the Ten Commandments to get to, now they had 613 laws. And I actually read them all this week. And it, not, I didn't read them all. I read most of them. Uh, and I was like, there's a lot. There's so many. Um, but, I, but for us, if this is what we're to meditate on, 613 laws, I put together a 613 letter acronym, super easy to memorize. <laughs> so we got, we got this. Uh, we're, no, we're not doing that. This is what Jesus did for us, that's beautiful. It's beautiful, and also I wanna say this too. When I say this, this is not an excuse to not read Old Testament, that's not what I'm saying. But listen to what Jesus says. Now, a little bit of context here, you can keep it up, a little bit of context here. Uh, this is towards the end of Jesus' ministry. Um, he's done amazing things, We're, a lot of miracles, feeding of 5,000s, healings, uh, walking on water, all this stuff. But now he's got a crowd around him and now he's preaching. Now he's just saying some stuff in the, and it's not jiving well with the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Because he's, he's saying, th- well, first of all, he's claiming that he's the son of God and they're hesitant. That's probably a light way to put it. Um, but also he's saying things like about the law. You've heard it said, but I tell you. You've heard it written, but I tell you. You know the law, you don't really know the heart going to give you the heart behind this. Like you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. That's, that's not what we want to hear. So they're not, they're not really jiving with him. And so what they keep doing is they keep trying to test him, get him to say something that they can, they can uh, kind of figure out a way to, to discredit him. Uh, But so, so this is one of those times they're testing him. The Sadducees have just gotten done. They've come up with some story about seven brothers and, a, and their wife. And, and actually what's funny about this is after they get done with that, Jesus' response to the Sadducees is, you're in error because you don't know the scripture. And you don't know the power of, God's, uh, power, the power of God. Um, so they're quiet. <laughs> so then the Pharisees come. And they're like, all right, here we go. So this is where we pick up. You ready? So Matthew 22, 35 One of them, one of the Pharisees, an expert in the law, that law that we're talking about with David, uh, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied probably what every Jew would have replied. Everybody knew this. This goes back to Deuteronomy. Everybody knew this. Um, But he says it anyway, and and there's no shock. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But then he just keeps going. And I think these next two things, that first of all, that first command, love the Lord your God basically with all of you. That's not light. But then he goes, uh, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as as yourself. And I think this part gets me every time. All the law and all the prophets, all of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, keep going. They all hang on these. Like read them, but here's here's the heart. Here's the heart behind this: love God and love others, but love others like you love yourself. Um, I want to say almost like thank you, Jesus, for for condensing that, but also no thank you because do you know how much I love myself? Do you know how much I don't like them? I don't even like them. How am I supposed to love them? This is so amazing right here. Um, this is so amazing. If, if we got this right, if, if you hang around Christians, um, I don't want to assume that everybody here has made this decision to follow Jesus. If you haven't, it will change your life. It's the, it's the best decision you could ever make. Um, and I, I want to say this. If we could get this right, you probably wouldn't have issues with it. I think a lot of people look at Christians, and Gandhi didn't. I don't know if Gandhi said this, but um, but maybe he said it. it, He just said, "I don't have a problem with your Jesus. It's just that your Christians don't look like your Jesus." If we could get this right, if I could get this right, just even in my family, if I could get this right, if I could love my wife the way that I love myself. Oh man, if I could love my kids, if I could be patient always. Oh. Okay, this is Christ-like. I, I really feel like this is the core of it. This is what we're talking about with being like Jesus, which is a much better goal than being like Mike. Being like Jesus. Here's the tough part about this, I think. If you wanna be like Mike, if you wanna be like anybody, we can, we can get stats, right? like, first of all, do you play in the NBA? No. Got a ways to go. Um, but if I did play in the NBA, do I have six championships? Do I average 30 points a game? Do I average seven rebounds a game? Like, I could keep going. That's easier, right? I, like, I, I, there's a measure when you're being like something. There's a measure. Business world. You know this. Like, we want to we have this bottom dollar. We want to make this revenue. We want to be in this many cities by XX. There's, there's stats, being like Jesus, what does that look like? Like, how do I measure that? I, I know he died on the cross. Is, is that really what he's asking me? Um, this is the beautiful part. So then we've got the apostle Paul who, who lives just after Jesus, and he's had incredible experiences. And in fact, Paul used to be one of those Pharisees, one of those keepers of the law. Um, and he was crucifying, he was persecuting Christians because they were doing things that weren't like in this set way. They were doing things like love. Um, And he had this amazing experience and he just switches and he figures it out. Um, And and he gives us a couple of really, really great lists. And I just wanna focus on one, but man, again, if you just read the New Testament and you read scripture, it's beautiful. We get a picture. We get some glimpses of not just the Gospels of, God's, uh, of Jesus' life, but then, but then Paul will say some things like, this is what it's like. Here's, here's kind of your measure. And one of them is Galatians. Uh, there's one in 1 Corinthians 13. It's beautiful. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. But this one especially, um, this is what we're talking about, the fruit. So, so again, with Michael, the fruit of his dis- discipline, the fruit of his life is he's got six championships and he's got multiple MVPs and he's, you know, the grace of all time. Throw that in there again. But that, that's the fruit. That's the fruit of his discipline. David, the fruit of his discipline. He was known as the greatest king of Israel. He's got all these things. Do we want to be great? So we want to be Christ like. So here's, here's a, it's, this is amazing. Here's the fruit of what being Christ-like looks like. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Um, I, was, I was asking our staff, um, I said, what does it mean to be Christ-like? How do you, how do you become Christ-like? And um, Pastor Jerry, I gotta go back to him, Um, if you know Pastor Jerry (laughs) I I would say this I mean he's to me he's I don't know exactly what Jesus looks like but man he's pretty close Um, and he said you know one of the things that I realized is what we'll do is every morning we'll wake up and we'll get into scripture and there's always three passages that we read we read Galatians 5 we read 1 Corinthians 13 and then uh, we read Philippians is that the other one? 4 8 yeah And, um, but then he, so that is him and, and, and his wife, they, they haga, scripture in the morning. They, they will dive in back into scripture. But then he said at night, we go technically meditate. We reflect. I reflect on my day and I ask, um, what was my fruit today? And he goes back to this. What what, was it? Love? Was it joy? Peace? Forbearance is also patience. That one will get me a lot. Um, That's what he does at the end of the day. Man, at the end of my day, (laughs) I go, we did it. (laughs) (laughs) We got the kids in bed. (laughs) We haggard some Netflix. (laughs) Great British British baking show. Um, We plowed through that. Uh, I'm in my Instagram feed. You know, I, I'll, just to get tired, I just want to just see what's happening here. Maybe I'll go and look up some YouTube videos of Michael Jordan. Um, and then, well, that led me to Kobe Bryant, and that led me to LeBron. I don't even really like LeBron, but wow, that's really good. And all of a sudden, it's 1.30, and I'm, then I wake up the next morning. I'm too tired to haga ah, scripture. And then I get up, and I go, Monday, I got to do the things that I do on Monday, so here we go. And then I get to the end of my day, and I wasn't patient with my kids again. And I was easily angered. And I'm still keeping a record of that wrong. I'm still keeping that. I'm holding on to it. And I think what I do, I don't know if you do this, what I do is I look at all these situations and I pray that God would change those situations and I hope that I'll be better tomorrow. Like I pray that God would change them so they could see my way. Because this would be a whole lot easier if you would just see it my way. Um, and I hope, I just hope that I'll be better tomorrow. But also, if that situation was change, I know I'd be better tomorrow. <laughs> um, I said this, to, you know, uh, self-control at, at the very end. You know, if you put a plate of cottage cheese in front of me, you cannot say I have self-control. I do not like cottage cheese <laughs> at all, I just don't. If you put a plate of, of uh, buffalo wings then you can see how much self-control I have, right? See, I think we pray these situations away, like, you know, get that out, and then I say, well, I have self-control. But then something comes in my way, and then I show my fruit. I don't show God's fruit. I show my fruit. Um, and my fruit doesn't look like that. Uh, and I just think, if we, could get, if we could get this right, but here's the deal. We know about fruit. It's the product so how do we get there? David would say, "You gotta meditate. You gotta haggah, scripture." Um, I got this. I got this story I gotta tell. Um, when we were in Nashville, uh, there, we went to a Nazarene church there, but we also went to a, a Tuesday night service. It was at Brentwood Baptist. Some of our students at, at Trevecca uh, would go there, and they told us about it. And so we went, and, and the pastor there is Mike Glenn. He was he was an incredible speaker. And he told this story that I, I really will never forget. He was talking about his father-in-law, and um, he said, my father-in-law was like the most gentle, kind, loving human being I, I knew. He was incredible. He would he would show up late to family events, family outings, because... Um, somebody needed to move. He just found out someone was moving, so he'd go help them, and then he'd show up late. Or he'd be late to work because he, somebody fell down crossing the street, and so he helped them, and then they needed to go to the hospital, so he'd help them there. Um, or he stayed late because he was, um, he had to pray with somebody who was just, they were not, it wasn't going well. Uh, but he said, that's who my father-in-law was. He was incredible. And, and he said, when he passed away, um, his mother-in-law asked Mike, the pastor, to do the eulogy. And whenever he did a eulogy, he would ask for something that was really special to that person, um, just to know them a little bit more. And so he asked his mother-in-law, and she said, oh, you got a, his Bible. It was the most special thing to him. So um, he got the Bible from, from his mother-in-law, and when he went to his office to go look at it, he, he said he opened it up, and then he really quickly closed it again and kind of shoved it away because he realized he just walked into an intimate conversation between his father-in-law and God. <laughs> He's, he wasn't ready for it. He said, man, it was, it was beautiful. And then he, when he finally got the nerve back, he opened it up and man, there was just markings all over it. There was, there was highlights and underlines, but he said the thing that really hit him was in all of the white spaces, there were notes like, he'd be in James, and he would say, I am quick with my tongue. I was sharp with my wife today. I need your help. Or he'd be, he'd be maybe in Philippians 4, and he said, I am not thinking about the right things. God, I'm not taking these thoughts captive. I need your help. I need your spirit. But then he kept reading, and then a little bit below that, he could see where his father-in-law would come back to the Scripture. And it would be maybe a year or two years later, and he would say, I'm more more patient with my kids. Thank you. I'm I'm getting better. He'd say, I was, oh, God, my my relationship's at work. I'm not sharp with my tongue as much as I was. Thank you. I need to be better. And Mike took that Bible to his mother-in-law, and he said, wow, when did he do this? How did did this happen? And his mother-in-law said, Man, a long time ago, a long time ago, um, you know, your father-in-law, he didn't didn't like himself. He had a temper. He would throw things. uh, He would yell. He would get angry just at the littlest things. He didn't like himself. And somebody challenged him and said, you know, are you in scripture? This can change you. Um, And so every day from that point on at four o'clock, kind of reminds me like Michael Jordan. (laughs) Every day at four o'clock, he would sit down with his Bible and he would read. And she said he just did that religiously. He would sometimes miss family get togethers because he had to have time in scripture with God, um, understanding God's ways so that they could be inside him so that he wouldn't live out his ways anymore so that God would change things through him. Um, And she said he just, I watched him progress and he slowly just became like Jesus. Um, I, I, think, I think that we're all disciplined in something subconsciously. You know, I, I've been disciplined in so many things. Um, but, but, and, and I will say discipline, I think, is life-changing. We can't change unless we're, we're disciplined in something. But I think oftentimes, and this is how I've been, like if Michael Jordan was right here, I'd say, um, Michael, I, I want to be like you. And Michael would say, yeah, let's do it. You're on Team Jordan right now. And I'd say, oh, fantastic, because I really want your highlight reel. I want six championships. I want to I be the best, right? And Michael would say, that's great. So here's who I am, and here's who you are, and here's the difference. And so I want you to work on your left hand because your left hand's not very good. And I want you to watch what you're eating. Because you got to be leaner than that. And I want you to work out. Actually, would you join our breakfast club? And then I find out what it is, and then I think I go, oh, but that's, that's work. Um, and I'm not, you got to hear me, I'm not saying we're working for salvation. Salvation will happen in an instant when you believe. I'm talking about being like Jesus. And I, I even look at Jesus' life. If you look at Jesus, we've actually only got about of his life visible. We've got that three solid years of ministry. We get a glimpse when he's 12 in the temple. We get a glimpse when he's two. We get a glimpse of the birth, but 10%. And I think we look at his fruit and we want that. But man, there's 90% anonymous that we don't know about Jesus. But man, he knew scripture. He prayed so much. He prayed so intensely. One time he was sweating blood. He fasted. And so I just, my prayer is if um, I've been challenged, this whole process uh, has made me pour back into this. And I've already experienced this change. I've already experienced the difference in my spirit um, when certain things are happening. And, and, uh, and so especially if, you, if you're new to this whole thing or if you're younger, but anybody, um, This will change us if we allow it to. God's ways will change us. And at the end of the day, we're going to look back at our fruit and we're going to see love and joy and peace and patience. I could go on. That's that's almost enough right there. And I thought about this too. If our world looked like that, I think that's heaven. I really do. I think if we could get this right, Our families would change, our workplaces would change, the world would change. Um, I think it starts, because that's the fruit, I think it starts here. Um, And we're going to finish, we're going to sing a song, um, a beautiful song, we've sung it before, and the words have just become so much more powerful to me. Um, The song's called Build My Life. It's almost asking Mike, I want to be like you, would you build me? Like Jesus, would you build, build my life after you? And and it starts off with just, we say worthy. Like, Jesus, you're worthy. You're the only one that's worthy. Um, and every breath that we breathe, we live for you. And then it says, I will build my life upon your love. It's a firm foundation. Um, if, if we could, this, to make this decision every day, this, this affects every other decision that we make. This one decision affects every other decision that we make. And um, I truly believe that, that if, that if we would just pour into this and be disciplined about this, we would start to see the world differently. We, things would change. And so um, we're just going to have an open time. I think the altars will be open. Uh, but just as we respond to God, um, one other thing I want to say, um, Michael Jordan invited some other people into this into this breakfast club. Um, it's really great to read this by ourselves. It's so great to read this with people that, ha- that are like-minded, where you can bounce some things off, where you can say, what does Haggah mean? <laughs> what does he mean by this? You know, because we're not trying to just sprint through this. We're trying to get this into us so that we become like Jesus. Um, but anyways, just let me pray for us and, um, and we'll just respond to God. Uh, Heavenly Father, you, um, you created this. You created us. And God, I, I try to live life um, my way, but you created us. You created this. You know how we should live God, I pray in these moments and as we leave this place and every morning that we would wake up new with this, with this yearning, this longing that this wouldn't be just an ex- just a practice that this would be our longing to be like you because we know that there's some fruit at the end because we want to be like you. So God, God, um, I pray that your spirit would just be it, it's just be after us, um, and that we would learn to love you more through your scripture and, and through prayer, and God, that ultimately that you would change the world through us. Father, we love you. We love you.